You escaped, didn't you? You make it sound like I was in prison. Weren't you? No, but I left without telling anyone. Why did you leave? God expected too much of me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dolby Institute and Soundworks Collection podcast. Uh, we're coming to you all remotely because we're still pretty much here on, in the U.S. on uh, COVID-19 lockdown. Um, we're focusing this series of conversations on great sound for episodic streaming content since that's what we're all at home enjoying right now. And uh, we have a special episode today. I'm really thrilled to be uh, speaking um, with the uh, team in Berlin on the great Netflix show, Unorthodox. Um, and we're recording today using the Dolby On app. Dolby On is a free iOS and Android application which is designed to make recording and live streaming sound and video with unparalleled audio quality very simple using nothing but your device. Dolby On empowers creators to make their statement with amazing sound quality anytime, anywhere. So, Unorthodox, gentlemen, thank you so much for, for joining us today and being on the Dolby Institute podcast to talk about this pretty pretty amazing television show. Um, we're joined today by Adrian Baumeister, who's the head of sound at uh, Post Republic in Berlin. Hi, Adrian. Hi, good evening. Uh, Daniel Iribaran, the supervising sound editor and dialogue editor on the show. Uh, welcome, Daniel. Great to be here, thanks. And uh, by the way, you uh, you worked on one of my favorite movies from the last few years, A Fantastic Woman. I, I really oh, love that goodness. picture. Oh, great. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun, too. Yeah. And Linus Nickel is the re-recording mixer on the show. Welcome welcome to the show, Linus. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I, I'm just curious, before we get started, I wanted to ask kind of like, you know, here in the U.S., it's, it's late June, we're sort of starting to come out of the coronavirus lockdown, but tell us about what's happening in Berlin. How have you guys been faring? What's happening with work? Or are you guys, I think you may be a little ahead of us on the curve so far. Well, I've been, I've been in touch with uh, my family back home, and yeah, we are a, a couple weeks uh, uh, ahead of you, so things are starting to loosen up a little bit. Um, I think how it affected people's work is, uh, uh, I think everybody's had a different experience, but um, uh, things are picking up again. Yeah, so everything that usually happens before, um, like in terms of work before uh, the Cannes Film Festival is now just being shifted into the summer holidays, which is obviously uh, a little bit complicated uh, when you have families. So Adrian, before we get into the creative on the show, um, tell us a little bit about Post Republic and the the, um, the facility where you guys are um, and how did Unorthodox uh, come into the facility? So uh, Post Republic is a full, um, like a full uh, service post-production facility. So we cover sound, but also uh, picture-related um, things. Um, uh, Unorthodox... Uh, I think it um, it came through us through uh, director Maria Schrader um, that we have worked on uh, like we have worked with her before on um, she did Deutschland uh, eighty three right she did Deutschland eighty three and she did also a feature that was quite, quite like critically acclaimed um, uh, the uh, Stefan Zweig uh, biopic I think uh, I forgot the name. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, I think she was the she she was the one pulling or like definitely wanted to work with us again. And um, 
uh, and we had um, the two editors, or the, the main editor, Hans-Jörg Weisbrich, who was also a regular uh, at our facility. So I think it was a good match from the start, and they definitely helped putting, like, pulling the, the project um, uh, to the postal public. Daniel and Linus, how did you get involved with the, uh, with the project and come to work on Unorthodox? I have a close relationship uh, to the Post Republic. I, I don't work for them per se, but um, uh, I, um, I, I it was just a good fit. I think. Um, I mean, my background is is uh, definitely more from uh, feature film, coming from feature film, and they thought that would be a really good match uh, for working with Maria, who also uh, really comes from that background. Um, and I think that was uh, the, the the reason for it, and um, uh, and it was quite. I think it worked out quite nicely. I mean, uh, Maria and I got along quite well, and uh, we understood each other. I'm a freelancing re-recording mixer, and I was asked by Post Republic to join the team uh, because things had to be done quick, and um, Adrian had to do some other mixes as well. So we had to blow up the team a bit. And so that's why I came into the team and I'm very glad that I was asked to do that. And uh, Adrian and me, we, we met before the whole the whole thing was was going on and we, we tried to, to fit our work workflows as, as much as possible so that I could do changes on his mixes and he as well could do changes on my, my episodes. And that worked very well, right, Adrian? <laughs> Yeah, maybe uh, uh, um, maybe to clarify, we we both worked on the show as re-recording mixes, so um, we uh, we we kind of split um, the shows or the the episodes in in uh, in the middle. So I mainly worked on episodes one and two, and Linus uh, took over and like finished uh, one and two because there were some things uh, that were still um and to be done and then uh, continued working on the, on the episodes three and four but like Lino said we met before uh we kind of set up we talked about style and uh, and also about like how to put our workflows like combine our workflows which are obviously uh, individual and um and that was uh, that was really good to start like that that's a really interesting um way to approach it. So each of you was mixing dialogue and music and effects. You were, you were each mixing on the console uh, by yourselves. Mm -hmm. Was that a function of uh, just a tight post-production schedule? Were you both mixing at the same time or why? I, I'm just curious why you decided to approach it that way instead of, you know, one mixer working on dialogue and music and another mixer working on effects for the all four episodes. In Germany, we, we, um, there's not so much, um, maybe like in the US, uh, separation usually. So if yeah, there's often one recording mixer just covering everything. So, um, uh, and that, you know, that might have been like the, the, the starting point where, why this, um, why this happened. The, um, the thing why we like, we split up the work is, uh, is really because, um, um, because the, the the schedule was so tight, so when we were still working on episode two, like three had started, and we could be like uh, uh, notes came back, so we had to go back to the episodes. So everything was kind of overlapping and uh, into each other. So I guess that's why we decided, okay, let's like split, separate uh, or separate um, uh, episodes and uh, and work like that, kind of straight. So um, and yeah. I don't know, Linus, do you want to add something? 
as you said, time time was was a factor. <laughs> so and time was all always something we thought about with all decisions. But um, yeah, as you said, uh, um, Glenn, as you said before, I think it w would be impossible to split completely between dialogue effects and music because the the music wasn't ready so it was uh, everything was in in the process and came came some some from somewhere in the world and was just mixed in as hot as it was and so <laughs> it was it was a i don't know how to say it. it was rough but at the end everything went good it's it's fascinating to hear you say that because my experience of watching the show is that it's so it's so, from a, a, a sound standpoint, it seems so careful and deliberate and well thought out, which is a great segue. Let's talk about, let's talk about creative. Um, Unorthodox is obviously the story of, of our main character, Esty, who, um, is, is living, uh, in, at the beginning of the show in a, in an ultra Orthodox, uh, Hasidic Jewish community in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn in the US and and as we as we see very quickly in the first episode um she she escapes what's a pretty repressive environment for a woman and goes to Berlin uh for reasons that we we learn later on so the 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 four episodes of the show kind of alternate move back and forth between the Hasidic community in Brooklyn and a much more cosmopolitan modern environment of Berlin. So can you talk a little bit creatively about how you went about making these two worlds sound very distinct and different from each other? I think the really the initial conversations I had with Maria were really about that. And I think that was the key focus uh, for, uh, for the sound. Uh, it was really to kind of create these two distinct uh, uh, atmospheres um, and um, but without without them have it being really overpowering, um, and I think particularly in the first episode, really establishing both uh, locations uh, was key, basically to set up the uh, the entire series. And um, we were fortunate uh, also with uh, with uh, both of our sound designers and um, uh, uh, Paul Risher, who had, uh, we had two, Sebastian Morris and, and Paul Risher were two sound designers working on them. And we kind of, uh, working on the episodes and we kind of split it up so that, uh, Paul would work on, uh, the New York locations and uh, Sebastian would work on the Berlin locations. Um, uh, both are also location recordists and Paul had a, uh, a library of sounds that he had just recorded in Brooklyn a year prior. Um, and um well that's handy yeah which was fantastic like like it was done and uh and sebastian is i mean he's always he's always roaming around berlin taking you know basically getting uh getting sounds and he has a plethora of sounds from berlin so like the authenticity was there um so that was basically the the background and and uh which i think was very effective and um and very authentic, and that was the the main thing for Maria is that she really wanted it to be very to seem very natural, very authentic, um, and uh, yeah, authenticity was really uh, the key. And um, yeah, so that was it. And then there was lots of uh, yeah. Then we can keep going in terms of like you know how uh, how we kind of decorated uh, 
those uh, those those atmospheric elements. But uh, but interestingly, uh, really a lot of um, uh, a lot of sounds that that we had Sebastian and, and Paul record themselves. So a lot of things that were done specifically for these uh, these episodes, and I think that was um, uh, I think you hear it, yeah. I think you feel it and hear it. With the beginning of the of the show, I learned to understand how Maria wanted to to present this different worlds as accurate as possible. Um, especially the, the Jewish community over there. And nobody of us, and especially me, um, had an idea how it would be to be there and how it would be the feeling. And so I spent, I spent, uh, I don't know, half an hour, hour at, at the beginning of the first episode, just talking with her about her experience to, to shoot there and to be there and to do the research in the, in the streets and how that felt to her. And I think all the weeks that was, I, I could remember this, this, um, this half uh, half hour because uh, i always had in mind okay that's that's the feeling she wants to recreate and that's that's all, all we tried all, all the time just to be accurate about that uh, especially in in the new york and jewish uh, part of, of the episodes well i'm i'm curious what did maria so what, what was she directing you to do and and maybe a little bit more specifically what What is the sound of that Hasidic neighborhood? What are the what are the uh, what are the audio elements uh, that you guys use to build that world? Um, I mean, the the one thing, a key thing that always kind of um, came back was uh, was the harbor. So it's kind of close to uh, to uh, I think Hudson River. Um, so that it has uh, like always ships and uh, and we have uh, some seagulls I think outside and we we have also a couple of Establish our shots um, where we can see um, the water, and uh, there was always, uh, especially in interior scenes, there was a discussion like how how much do we want to let in uh, um, from outside, so how much should blend in, or how um, isolated should this world be, and uh, and this was a fine line. So there were a lot of sounds that were like kicked out because they were too obvious or like, didn't fit the mood. But if you listen carefully to those interior scenes when the family is, uh, is sitting there or when they talk to the rabbi, um, you can hear um, a lot of uh, or a few delicate like horns and um, and stuff like that, um, stuff um, waving in. So to uh, to create that that sense, which is also it's not just traffic sound that you would normally uh, sense or like guess if you have a New York like you know like traffic and uh, and ambulances uh, and police uh, so but it's it's a nice it adds a nice uh, tone i think to it one of the things that i wanted to ask you guys about was um within the uh, the the scenes in brooklyn you you really get a sense of of how especially with uh with Esty and her her husband how much the eyes of the community are upon them and how closely They're being watched. Um, one of my favorite uh, sound moments in the show, and it's it's really subtle, but it's I think it's the you know it's the wedding night, and it's the first time that they go to bed together, and you can hear you can hear conversations from the neighbors coming in through the wall, and it it really reinforces 
how oppressive that community is and how, you know, how, you know, much on top of them, they feel like the, the, the community is. I thought that was a wonderful touch. Things like that were definitely uh, uh, things that Maria had her hand in. I mean, all of every location was extremely important for her to kind of give that a setting and give that uh, an environment. And so there were always coming things coming through walls and and uh, um, uh, yeah, all these subtleties that uh, that you felt. And uh, it's great that you can hear them. You know, <laughs> we put these things in, and you never, you know. Yeah, it definitely had a, a desired effect. Yeah, but I, I mean, just as a as a workflow um, addition, um, and a lot of the it, it was one of these shows where um, where I think everybody was pulling the same strings somehow. So it's really the picture was so rich, and uh, and so a lot of the sounds they weren't even really talked through before. I think I mean, like there was definitely talking about sound with the with the director, but a lot of the sounds they came just um, they just like. They were inspiration by the sound designers, and and most of it really made it into the final mix because it was uh, everything, you know. So every every time Maria uh, had the idea, ah, shouldn't we hear that? You know, like it was there usually because it it uh, it was like kind of obvious, but in a good way. So uh, because the the storytelling was very clear and the drama was very clear. And uh, and the pictures were just rich and uh, and uh, and sound was also always used uh, also already in in editing so in in ways that you could jump on you know for example uh, I don't know like comical elements when you when the father is on the phone and he goes like uh, he goes out and, and talks and, and when they're standing uh, in this um, at the uh, at the piano teacher's place, you know, and right. you know, they have this weird conversation there. So a lot of these things that really were played with the sound and with um, uh, they were already there. So it was uh, it was really fun also um, to um, yeah to to jump on that and uh, really one of these shows where really everyone you had to feel everyone's going into the same direction and have the same feeling towards it. I can remember one one scene the the club scene. And I was working with Maria on it, and she always said, "Ah, there's one guy. Could we hear something from him?" And I was ju just had to look in, into the Walla um, group loop groups, and blop, one popped out. It was exactly this guy. And then she said three seconds later, "Oh, there's another one. Could we have something from, <laughs> for him?" And, whoop, and there it was. And she, yeah. she was really, really surprised. She, she said to me, "I'm a magician with a with a big head and just." <laughs> flipping out the right voices for these guys and it was very prepared i, I didn't have to do anything with me i just had to find it and then there it was 
But, you know, what's interesting about Maria is that she probably downplayed that because I'm pretty sure she specifically asked for those people to be done. Uh, <laughs> and so she was, uh, yeah, she was downplaying a little bit. It sounds like <laughs> Well, I just wanted to kind of, uh, at some point, um, uh, give a shout to, uh, a shout out to, um, Patrick Feigl, who, uh, who recorded, uh, who did all the, the, the onset recordings, who did a phenomenal job. I mean, Maria is a real stickler for sound and, um, and she has an ongoing relationship with him and he provided us with, um, oh, just oodles of tracks and everything that we could possibly use uh, from onset. And there were a lot of complicated scenes like the wedding scene and, uh, uh, that, um, that he basically gave us coverage, like uh, more than adequate coverage. And um, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out and kudos. That's great. I was going to ask you about the about the production tracks and, and what, how, how was the state of things that came to you guys to work with? Uh, well, it was uh, it, it was great. I mean, it was really uh, he just did. a He was very, very thorough. Um, and uh, I got a sense that he uh, that he was given the freedom uh, to uh, work um, uh, to work basically like uh, there were microphones for everything and he always had I, he really everything that I thought I needed in the same way uh, was there and uh, and several uh, I think on several shoots they had a B crew getting atmospheres and all of these things we uh, we had coordinated I mean we we're fortunate enough to 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 be talking about this before they went uh, to shoot. So we had talked through uh, a lot of the more complicated scenes. Um, and uh, yeah, and Patrick uh, definitely, um, um, yeah, he definitely came through. Everything, uh, everything was great. Like it really sounded very good. So Daniel, I just want to follow up on that. So you were actually hired on the show before they, before they went to shoot? Well, uh, hired? No, I mean, I was. Uh, yes, I mean, I, I, I was. Uh, I was asked to uh, to super the job, and um, and uh, subsequently went to some pre production meetings. Actually, a, a slew of them, uh, you know, with Antonio to discuss the music and deliveries, and uh, uh, and so I was involved in a lot of that process, really. And also because I have some experience working on Netflix Netflix uh, schedules. Um, which, um, which was useful, particularly with regards to ADR planning and, uh, and that sort of thing. So I was uh, quite early in the project, uh, uh, probably about a month before they started shooting, um, and had discussed really, uh, not with Maria at that point, but really, um, with Patrick, how, uh, uh, what the best way to, to approach certain scenes were and, um. It's fantastic that you had that access. So you were you were you were you were able to make requests uh, and ask for them to get specific items for you, and that's that's great. Yeah, more than that, I mean, it wasn't me so much making requests. It was really also Patrick, you know, Patrick asking me, uh, you know, what is it that you guys like and what is it that you need, and uh, um, and just having that conversation before uh, before you go into a shoot is fantastic because then you know what to expect and. Uh, something that uh, that doesn't often happen at least uh, not in the feature film world um a bit well just because the schedules at least here are so elongated they're just so much longer we get uh how much of the show was actually shot on location in brooklyn it was just exteriors and then the then the interiors even for the um the the 
houses in the in the the Hasidic Jewish scenes were those shot back in Berlin, or was all that stuff done on location in in the states? Just the exteriors in uh, in New York, and then the wedding. Uh, no, the wedding was also done here, I believe. The wedding was here in yes. Berlin. Uh, so I think it's just only the exteriors, and all the interiors were done uh, either in studios here or in uh, uh, sets. There's a really uh, we were talking about kind of the 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 sound of the people around and the the oppression. There's a beautiful moment that I love in episode one uh, when Esty and and Yankee meet for the for the first time. They've been match they've been match made by the community, uh, and and they meet for the first time. I believe it at at his home. She's brought over, uh, and 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 they they're given they're given a few minutes alone in the dining room. And there's a like a, a like a glass sliding door that shut, and you can hear you can hear all the relatives kind of chattering outside. But then the glass door shuts, and it's this beautiful moment of quiet when they're finally alone together for the first time and neither of them really knows what to say to each other and it was just a beautiful moment i thought you guys just echoed their uncomfortableness so beautifully with the sound design in the mix Mein Tate hat keinen mich in meinen Brüderes in Europa noch bei sich. Das ist ein Exciting. In so einem, was ich dich vorempfinden, alle Größe zu decken. Bist gegangen all the way to Europe in a Snorges und Gefuhren? Gar nicht anders. Ähm, ich hab gewollt. Aber mein Tate hat nicht gelassen. It's also one of my favorite moments, sound moments in that um, uh, in that episode, uh, and it. But again, it's what it's something that is not only an idea of the sound, but it's like it's it's an idea that is already um, that is already done in the like in the script. Basically, you know, you can you can already think about the sound, uh, and uh, and it was always like that. And then we find like the right the right band, and of course the right voices, and then when we cut into that room, and so it's. Uh, um, uh, and it was something that um, that we yeah it took some time to find that balance and that uh, that intimacy moment, but uh, yeah that is uh, that's like I said it's also one of my fav favorite uh, moments you know because if I remember correctly I think those uh, and correct me if I'm wrong Adrian but. Um we did have also I, there were uh, location sound recordings for those conversations all of that stuff was thought out when they uh, when they shot i believe we did a little adr as well we did some loop group as well i can't quite remember but i do remember there uh, being you know things coming from the set i really appreciate you guys saying that because one of the things that we talk about on this podcast a lot um is is filmmakers who think about sound from the beginning of the creative process, like what you're describing, like that a beautiful sound treatment like that. And it's not, you know, one of the things I love about it is we sometimes on this show, we tend to talk about kind of big explosive science fiction shows and all that kind of stuff, which is all great fun from a sound perspective. But I really was, uh, I really wanted to talk with you guys about this show because the sound work is so subtle and so specific 
and doesn't necessarily call attention to itself, but it's just, it's really, it's really lovely. And to, you know, the, what you were describing about that particular sequence with the closing of the door and the voices through it to your point, you know, she has to be thinking about that at the writing phase, at the shooting phase to give you guys room to execute that in a way that's really wonderful. Uh, yeah, I think uh, just in general, the nature of the sound, the nature of what we were doing needed to be subtle because it's a very dialogue driven uh, uh, series and there's no need. There was no, I mean, we don't have any explosions or <laughs> we don't have anything uh, there's no car quite chases, like that. Right. Yeah, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing really like that. So we had to be a lot more subtle in, in how we approached it. And, uh, um, and again, Maria had given a lot of thought and a lot of her storytelling really does uh, uh, have to have to do with sound and how these uh, how these things play out what's happening off screen what's happening on screen and um uh, often i mean i remember meetings with her really just to go over the adr and loop groups it would just uh take forever because she always had something to tell that was happening off you know either from the right side or the left side or something that was happening in the room next door and uh um yeah and she had very specific ideas uh, and how are you how are you able to accomplish that and place those place those sounds like behind the wall in the room next door was that basically just a, an eq and a reverb mix trick or did you guys do any kind of worldizing around those tracks or how did you execute that i think it, in this case it was uh, really done with an eq and uh, like a sort of muffling but um uh, i don't i i definitely know that um that for the exterior shots we did some uh, like it was mainly um sebastian morsch who did some um, like location recording especially for for this show and uh, for like cars passing with music, uh, which we uh, used uh, a few in, um, in in New York and also in Berlin, uh, just to um, yeah to have this kind of uh, this sense of uh, of urbanity and uh, I don't know yeah just uh, and these uh, and these uh, were like he used this worldizing technique so he like really put uh, something in a car and let it pass and recorded it so so. Uh, yeah, he put a subwoofer in his, he put a subwoofer in his car and then uh, had somebody drive it around for uh, with music that I believe he produced himself. <laughs> yeah. So no problem on that side either, the right side. Yeah. That's funny. So I was asking about the music and sort of what's the what was the style and tone of the music and how did that fit in with what you were doing from a sound editing perspective? There was one on, on one side. There was the idea of, uh, of of like supporting the drama and even like in terms of uh, like you know like cliffhanging at the end of a, of an episode. So there was always like like a kind of a, a technique or a, a style that was like added to that. So you know that the the, the pace the pace uh, should go up. And um, but the storytelling sometimes was just um, was just uh, a bit different, like in how it was, yeah. uh, like uh, the ideas that came from from the editing. So this was just there were just decisions and and like muting stuff, moving around stuff, and 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 um, taking out a lot of. Uh, we got a lot of stems, and we we used a lot of stems um, editing in the. Um, we edited a lot of stems in the mix just to um, yeah to to support both ideas maybe. Which there were a lot of very delicate um, areas, and particularly I remember conversa endless conversations about the opening uh, uh, the opening sequence and how music was going to uh, uh, drive that because in a way music really needed to drive, and that's when uh, Esty is fleeing uh, Brooklyn and she's on her way to the airport and. Um, 
uh, that she's in the, she's in the car and she's trying to hide her face as as she's passing yes through the community yeah and in that uh, that whole scene the music really kind of needed to drive that but it couldn't overpower it either and I that was a very delicate thing and I know that they they went like back and forth and back and forth and I don't know I don't know what happened in the end uh, because I wasn't around but um, but as there was somewhat of an experimental approach, I think, uh, you know, from what Antonio was telling me that he would send them things and then, you know, they he'd have to kind of do it completely different. They were trying things out, basically. JFK, right? What terminal? Five. Is everything all right back there, miss? Go the long way around Williamsburg, please. That's Steve. That's Steve. Maria said to me that she didn't want to have a music with too much cliches, especially the Jewish cliches in it. Mm. And also the uh, production and, and showrunner, they all said the same, no, no much of cliches in it. And um, so the, the, the music was not separating between the Jewish part and, and the part of Berlin. And that gave space to us and to the sounds to to explain where we are right now and to to like like to to bring these different places on sound like the the music the music left this field open and we could could add that on the sound sound design. Oh, that's in, that's interesting because a lot of the a lot of the the way the show is structured, obviously, much of it happens in flashback, and you you learn previous bits of SC stories. So, um, what, were you guys like in order to make sure that the audience member, you know, that the audience doesn't get confused? Uh, were there any sort of signature audio elements that you would introduce to let people know, oh, we're back in Brooklyn versus Berlin, or how did that work out? From what I remember, what we had discussed is, uh, is I think every, uh, there, there was no signatures. There were certain sounds. We did a lot of car buys and, uh, and, you know, these type of musical elements that we were talking about, uh, the worldized, uh, uh, you know, car buys with music and these kind of things to make cuts. Um, but I think they were all handled more on an individual basis. There wasn't any kind of uh, real, you know, any one thing that was done. Yeah, it would have become a cliche, obviously, if you had relayed on that, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think there were uh, there were a multitude of uh, different things. But making the cuts was was uh, was uh, was important, really, because, uh, you know, because we're going from, you know, Berlin to New York and coming back and, and, uh, and you know, making those cuts and giving them little sounds and, uh, was quite important in establishing that. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's one interesting scene uh, like uh, um, that uh, um, that that I can mention the um, the one where Esty is uh, the first time she's running uh, like walking around in uh, 
uh, in in Berlin and and seeing all these things and uh, and uh, it's like par parallel montage with the Yankee looking for her. So so we're always cutting back between um, between um, New York and um, and Berlin. And uh, and there were two things. So uh, for one, it had to be like a, a like a, a con, you know, like because they're both kind of searching for something. So they had to be the like storytelling wise. It was uh, it was the same um, yeah the same emotion they were both in. So the, the 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 sounds they 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 were supposed to kind of interrupt that that kind of mood that they were both in. Uh, but again, you know, we we had to feel or to, to think. Okay, now we're in Berlin. Now we're in. Uh, Now we're in uh, in New York again, so I think we used uh, some voices there. We used some characteristic uh, subway sounds, uh, so uh, um, uh, so just to distinguish and to uh, to make sure that uh, that you. I mean, it was kind of a you know in a way it was also nice that you kind of uh, like a bit lost and not really know where you are. But I think it was I, I remember it was a it was a discussion on like how separate do we want this to sound, and then we like we ended up finding a uh, finding a, a like trying to combine both uh, both worlds. I think. Uh, yeah, there was some funny moments I remember with uh, with Maria, for instance, because you know we did uh, typically as editors kind of do things systematically. You know, we're in Berlin, we're in Berlin, and now we cut to uh, to New York. But I remember Maria in uh, uh, really kind of cheating that a lot and blending, you know, taking the New York atmosphere and putting it in. I mean, taking the Berlin atmosphere and putting it in New York. And I would ask her, well, why are you doing this? And she just liked the sound of something. There would be a cello, a cellist playing in the background or something. And she would just enjoy that, enjoy hearing that. And so it wasn't very systematic, um, uh, but interesting anyway. Well, but a lot of it is also memory. You know, Estes, Estes having memories in Berlin of her time in Brooklyn. So thematically, you can get away with kind of mushing things a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did, yeah. So, you know, obviously, as we as we talk about it, a lot of it happens, the show happens in flashbacks, but there's sort of a, a big set piece, which is the wedding night uh, and the, the big wedding ceremony. I'm sure that that posed some challenges uh, to you guys from uh, from an audio standpoint. Where to start? Uh, we had, uh, I remember the day before uh, they were to shoot the wedding, I got a call from Patrick Feigl who needed, uh, who needed me to stripe something like 16 pieces of music with Simti uh, <laughs> because they had just gotten, 
<laughs> they had just gotten the, the, the music in. And um, so they were, uh, I think they were flying by the seat of their pants uh, uh, while they were shooting that. Uh, but again, um, everything was there. It was uh, also, I think, um, Hans Jörg, the editor, did a great job um, uh, really splicing sequences together with the music so that they actually fit. Um, so there wasn't too much tweaking to do there. I mean, it was, it's obviously a complicated scene, but um, but I think the groundwork was was uh, was laid out in a uh, in a very comprehensive way. Um, so there wasn't a lot of guesswork, and and I didn't you know we didn't really need to go back and do too much. Uh, the, really, uh, most of that scene is what was recorded uh, while they were shooting, and some wild tracks. I think they they done a bunch of wild tracks. They had a yeah, they did some uh, some wild tracks. I mean, uh, in terms of mixing, it was a uh, like it was uh, I think for me the most complicated uh, sequence in in the movie um, because there were just so many elements there. So and uh, and then uh, also the way that the that the marriage is. Uh, is uh, is set up is that they like when they when they for example when they dance when they celebrate they're all in different places so the women they they party apart from the men so and but the 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 camera goes back and forth so uh, so um, yeah the the challenge was to to like to keep that kind of energy um, but with all with changing the sound all the time and having different perspectives but you you know if you if you take everything down then you lose the the energy so. Uh, you were, we were always thinking, okay, how loud is the music here? What do we hear there? Do we hear shouting? So um, I think a lot of this uh, scene came together. Really, uh, how it sounded uh, came together in the in the, in the mixing stage, and uh, this was definitely also the longest shift that we <laughs> that we had. Yeah, I remember it was like everything needed to be really separated in a way that everything that was on the woman's side and needed to be separated forever from everything that was on the man's side, because that was the, the key. Uh, I mean, that was the challenge for that scene was to separate the two worlds, like to separate the, the, uh, that room. Kind of the heart and soul of the series comes at the very end during Estes audition. Uh, and it's been this, this been this moment that's been, there's been a lot of buildup, uh, through the last couple of episodes and and um, and triggered kind of a crisis of confidence for for Esty, and so she switches and decides to sing at the at the last minute. And it's a one of those it's one of those scenes that so much is riding on it from the audience's perspective in terms of the stakes for for Esty. Uh, and and it's just a beautiful, very simple sequence uh, of her singing that second song, kind of unexpectedly at the audition. Mi ibon siach shoishan choichim ahavas kalu mesois doidi mi ibon siach can you talk a little bit about the the mix on that particular sequence and and what did you guys do to to support uh, the performance of the of the woman who played SD? First of all, we we mixed it 
Um, I would say, as you should mix it with a lot of reverb, and uh, it was like to to help her performance to get bigger. But then uh, we reduced that a lot, just to to be as much as intimate as possible. And after we did that, we recognized, oh, we have to help her performance. And then <laughs> we used all the technical tricks we could use to help her as much as possible. And I, I don't, I don't want to say what we did exactly because that destroys the magic on the moment there. <laughs> well, whatever you, whatever you did worked because the moment, uh, it's just a beautiful moment and it, it, uh, it fills you with a lot of hope for Esty's future. Well, she, uh, I, th I think the performance was spectacular. I think, I think that entire, uh, I think there were two, we had, they had two takes of that and it was uh, compiled basically from two takes. And, uh, um, and I think her performance, uh, uh, at least visually, was uh, was fantastic. And actually, the, the, the audio as well. I mean, she needed a little help with some tuning. Um, uh, but it was always a powerful... Um, it was always a powerful... Absolutely. And the spirit was there. And you, you couldn't create that with any technical things. The spirit was there and the feeling, and she did that in this moment and she felt it like that. Yeah, that I guess that was the challenge there. I mean, for me again, uh, as far as the editing concern was concerned, there wasn't much to do. That's what it that's what was there and that was uh it was raw and it needed to stay raw and I guess finding a balance of this kind of rawness and um uh you know, while at the same time helping helping it out a little bit. Uh, yeah. was was the key. But um but yeah, that was fun. That was a fun little sequence. So I know that uh, for most of you, um, you know, you spend a lot of time and, and, and the bulk of your work is, is on feature films. Um, but I think for a lot of folks in, in the in the U.S. Um, who came out of a feature film background, they're starting to do more work on episodics. Linus, I know this, this is a special kind of interest for you that you've written in the past on um, issues around adapting cinema mixes for broadcast. But is the approach artistically, creatively, how, how is the approach different for you guys when you know that something is going to originate for, uh, for a broadcast or streaming audience as opposed to theatrically? I think there's a huge difference to work for a streaming service or a broadcasting service. That, that makes a huge difference for me because these mixes for the streaming services, it, it has to be, it's a mix which which could be ready to be screened in a cinema. They should be ready. And they also should work at home on smaller devices. And you can expect that many, many listeners and viewers are really good prepared with huge LED, uh, LCD TV installations and really good sound equipment. And so you have to deliver a mix which is capable for everything mm -hmm. and that's really different a, a huge difference to the normal broadcast mix for me in my perspective um so i would say there there's more the difference between the normal broadcast mix and the um, streaming service mix as between uh, the cinema mix and the broadcasting yeah. mix so 
I don't know, should I go <laughs> much deep into the technical dark side of it or, or not? That's probably <laughs> probably not. I think that was a good answer to the question. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Adrian, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I think uh, I like to add in Germany, what's what's happening is it's really, uh, I think, for this reason, um, this kind of episodic work is really kind of coming in coming into the film world and uh, and things in, in Germany are quite separated. I'd say uh, a lot of people working in broadcasting and then people working feature film. And uh, there's not a whole lot of crossover there. Um, and this episodic work, I think, is for that reason, really kind of coming into, uh, um, on, into our laps, basically, because I think we approach, we approach it in a very, very similar way. I think, uh, I think as a, um, as a supervise as a supervising sound editor, uh, it requires a lot more planning uh, because the schedules and deadlines um, are tricky sometimes, particularly with regards to ADR and uh, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but the approach is very similar. I mean, it's it's essentially the same approach. I mean, creatively, they're coming to you because they want a cinematic sound for their streaming content. Essentially, yeah. Uh, that's also, I mean, it's not just sound, it's uh, all kind of talent that's brought into these shows. I mean, starting with directors, you know, uh, uh, that you want people that, uh, that, that give that kind of, uh, uh, like, input to, uh, to the shows. And, um, um, yeah. And then, of course, like, then you have to meet at some, some point in between because there are demands from, from the networks or from the producers to, uh, so it's not, you know, it's, it has to be something that works on a on a little screen as well. Um, so um, for me, it's always uh, um, you know I follow with my sound work. I also I always follow like the picture, or you know that's what I what I adapt to. So I want to find sounds and make my sound so that it works with the picture and makes the picture uh, and um, become one. So. Uh, and uh, and the picture, you know, like or the editing uh, or the framing is always a little bit different when you uh, when you have these um, like network shows, you know. So that's why also the sound will always be different. Also, the, the, the music approach is usually a different one, or you don't have so many moments where it's just silent and just music. You know, there's more talking, just the way it's been edited. So I think that's. Uh, that's that's the first thing that's different in uh, in the sound is that not only the sound is different but the way the sound uh, is uh, is used in uh, like in editing or in uh, in what's uh, what's demanded by um, by the framing and then it's obviously the dynamics that uh, that are that you have to always think about so when you when we talk about the the wedding for example you know this is a scene that would probably have been more like louder, and if you if I would have mixed it for uh, for cinema, I would have like used more sub bass and more uh, like mm. just be have been louder at some points, uh, and then uh, which which wouldn't have worked. So uh, we had we um, yeah we had to think of other ways how to how to tell the dynamics when when to go down so it's not too obvious, and then you can go up again, and uh, you still have that kind of jump. So I usually like to uh, to end with asking everyone. Uh, just, just uh, what, what's a favorite scene from the show? And we've talked about so many great scenes. And um, but what, you know, if there's a particular scene that, when it comes up as you watch the show, it just kind of makes you happy uh, from a sound perspective when it when it comes up. 
I can answer that first. <laughs> it's it's the concert in episode. I guess it's episode three. It's a catnap on stage in the club. I love that. I love the track and I love to mix it. That's great. It was it was performed live. They had one shooting day, so also the recordings were live, and uh, it was great material to to mix because in the, in the material. There was this live, live, uh, I don't know, crispiness or whatever it is. It was, it wasn't a, a track which we mixed as it should, as it could be live. It was performed live and that was really great to mix. I, I'd have to say the wedding scene just because it was uh, the most challenging and, and, uh, uh, yeah, it was just the most challenging and, and uh, fun to put together. Yeah, I, I, there were there are a couple of scenes. Um, I mean, the the first thing that just popped to my mind. I don't know why, and it's it's not like a, like the most spectacular scene, but uh, somehow there's this moment when uh, when Yankee and um, and Moisha are, are walking through Berlin at night to Hakusha Mark, and so, I don't know. Moisha is he's eating something. He's eating. He got some fruits, and he's just just been washing it them in a in a uh, in a strange way in this kind of plastic bag. And then, and yes, and and the way he acts, and then he sh he spits out that uh, that thing. That's just so so much him, and it's so um, you know, it's he's uh, you know, like you both. I both like him and dislike him at the same time. I don't know how he did it, but uh, I don't know. It's just pops. Uh, this scene is uh, something that that uh, that stayed me for with me for a while. So that's great. But that, but there are more scenes like the. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'd like I'd like to pick a second, <laughs> and that would be also the wedding night. Uh, I would I, I was uh, I I think it's 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 an epic love scene, an, an epically awkward love scene, right? I just I don't know how many times I watched that, and I would just bust out. I just it would make me laugh so hard. That's great. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's late in the evening in Berlin um, and you guys have been working all day. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about Unorthodox, which is a really amazing show with a very lovely, delicate, very specific soundtrack that I think you guys did a fantastic job on. So Adrian, Daniel, Linus, thanks for joining us and congratulations on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for having us. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's, uh, It's uh, very nice uh, of you to uh, to call and ask us to do this. Very nice. Well, thank you. Uh, we, we appreciate uh, giving the attention to a great show like this. So everyone, thanks for joining us and uh, for tuning in. This is Glenn Kaiser signing off from the Dolby Institute and the SoundWorks podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.